2: Welcome back into the podcast. Today we have Coach Walsh. I probably said your name wrong too. He is the OC at Ankeny High School. I think I got it right.
1: Uh, got Coach, it. thanks for being here. Hey, it's great to be here, man. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah, if people don't know, he's the second part of Run the Power podcast that's been on vacation, but that's probably where people know you from is Run the Power. It's It's got to be one of the biggest football podcasts, right, still, I think?
1: Um, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the numbers have have tailed off a bit, you know, coach Harp and myself have have both gotten kind of busy. He, he being a lot more busy than me, he's got the two kids that are, they're growing up fast and then he's offensive coordinator at McKinney. So I think, you know, kind of once he was diving into that world, pretty high stakes football in Texas, it was one of those things where we we really couldn't keep it going. Uh Um, And then, you know, even if I think we kind of all right, maybe we'll do a few of these and, and keep it rolling. Then we had a change here at Ankeny uh, and I got the offensive coordinator job. And and usually when I'm coordinating, I'm pretty pretty highly involved in that. I watch a lot of film and, and, mm-hmm. and grind pretty hard that you know it, it became difficult, I think, for both of us to find time to do these. Um I, I know you know there's still several people that that listen to them and and ask us about episodes and ask us questions and and message us all the time. So, I mean, it it has a residual effect. There's no doubt about it. The the connections that coach Harper and I have made, you know, this being another one now, uh, you know, in that social media world Mm -hmm. and the podcast world have played ridiculous dividends for us, you know, between, I don't know, getting film, being able to go places and visit. And then, you know, not only that, people, you know, asking us about, you know, potential coaching positions and do you know somebody here? Do you know somebody there? Mm-hmm. It's it's just an unbelievable network of people that we've been able to meet. So, you know, I, I hope there's still people out there listening to it. Um, and, and who knows, maybe we'll uh, we'll dust it off and get back into it here in a bit, too.
2: Oh, yeah, I, I find it sometimes, especially if I'm talking to a coach that I know you guys have had on. Sometimes I listen to it to get the um, like prepare myself, too. So I think mm-hmm. some of us that started podcasts after you guys, that's what helps too is you're like researching that coach. Like I think it was Coach Holler was one of them. I listened to it, got to talk to him, and I was like – had an idea of what I was going to talk about because I just do this by the seat of my pants. Like I used to write it down, like the questions, but I was like, screw it. We're going to go by the seat of our pants. And so sometimes that's where your guys' comes in. And, of course, I'm an online coach. So when it says power, I have to watch it, right, or listen.
1: Dang, right. I mean that was – that was always kind of the the premise for us to you know bring people on who we wanted to learn from but usually it was always going to kind of come back to we wanted to bring you know offensive line run game pass protection you know things like that obviously and and of course gap scheme you know I don't think there's an offensive line coach out there that doesn't like gap scheme and and if they don't they probably don't admit it to any other offensive line coaches um but yeah hey coach holler it was always kind of funny that that was the first football podcast that he ever did okay um and and we'd we'd uh you know obviously read his articles and and he we wanted to, to bash on the you know some of the old school coaches mm-hmm. and the conditioning and things like that so it was fun to bring him on but um he, he'll still he'll, he'll tell you to this day yeah run the power that was the first football podcast he did and it kind of, you know, I would say he he obviously been introduced in the football world, but maybe brought him maybe a little bit more mainstream, and now he's a you know huge celebrity. We're we're just lucky to to know old Coach Holler. He's a stud.
2: Oh yeah, he he um, he lives like he told me where he lived. He lives like fifteen minutes away from me, which is crazy. He lives right down the street, like fifteen mm-hmm. minutes. Uh, he coaches at a high school that at a school that I coached at, played basketball against. And so they all adopted that feed the cats, and we always wondered why is the team so fast. And then I was like, well, because of this guy that's in the building. This is why they're fast because they have adopted it. And then, like you said, he's a celebrity now. He's all over the place. He does the foot. He does the glacier clinics for football, and he's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the same thing. I had to. He explained everything. I learned it a while back, and I'm like, none of this makes sense because I had the old school thinking. Like, what do you mean you're not hitting all the time and? What do you mean you're not doing gassers or running or doing these things? And my buddy was doing it. Another buddy was doing it. And then I finally, none of it made sense. Then finally it clicked, talked to Coach Holler, and then it clicked even more. And I'm like, this makes a lot of sense, what you're saying. And now the old schoolness is like leaving my body now. (laughs) I'm like, because I did in football this year. Like my lineman, this was the least amount of hitting I've ever done. And I was like cringing but we stayed healthy all year for once. So I was like, maybe there's something to his way of doing it.
1: I Yeah, it it really resonated with us. So I know we, we did the podcast and then um, obviously you'll you know, be able to exchange numbers and you're able to kind of bounce ideas off of him. And then I was coaching track at the time and our, our head track coach, Nick Nelson, had, had adopted a lot of the philosophies that track season and, and, and since then – I mean, Ankeny has really taken off. I mean, you, you could ask anyone again. It's it's a combination of factors. But us, we needed to go to that because we had a class coming through. They played so many sports. Right. So it was almost impossible. I mean, if we were going to sh- have to share athletes and, you know, guys are playing three sports, uh, especially in our league, the CIML League in, in Iowa, I mean, everyone will tell you. I mean, it's it's a meat grinder. Right. There's, you know, eight, eight teams and all of them are going to be good, I think. I think this year when they when they did have the final eight teams in the football playoffs, six of them are in the CIML. So, nice. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, a hotbed for, for talent and football, but it was something we had to do out of necessity. Otherwise our best guys were going to be hurt.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, they weren't going to be able to go out. They had other primary sports. You know, we had D1 wrestlers, we had D1 baseball players, and we needed those guys to play football. So I think switching over to that and then we've just been able to kind of tweak it and modify it throughout. Uh-huh. But you know the the overall premises has always been the same. We want our kids to be fast and fresh. We want our kids to be playing the best on whether it's a Friday night or you know, hey, Friday nights in in November when the playoffs do hit. And and we've now got four or five years of data that all back it up. We we still have kids getting faster during the season. Mm-hmm. Um, we we've we've taken our track program. You know, we we were barely scoring at the state meets when I was there. I mean, we still had some good kids and things like that, but now we, we get a third place. Uh, last year we were second place and I think, you know, we're going to have as good a shot as anybody at, at winning the state track meet this year because we've built our track program on sprinters. Um, right. we, we've got more sprinters and more speed than we ever have. And all of a sudden now that stuff shows up. Hey, your defense is faster. Your special teams are faster. You have younger athletes who are able to to contribute earlier because they can run and they can play at that level. I just feel like there's so many positives to it and at the same time our kids are happy and healthy. We don't we don't ever condition. We haven't conditioned in 5 years. Mm-hmm. Um and and everybody will tell you my heck my my wife, you know, she she doesn't know the most about football, but she's always telling me, you guys are a second half team. You're always a second half team. And I think a lot of that has to do with that mentality of, hey, we're, we're going to be fresh. We're right. going to be, you know, explosive in the fourth quarter and and that's helped us win a lot of games late because we've adopted this and we don't grind our guys down. What a a novel concept, right?
2: Oh, I know, because, like I said, my buddy did it years ago, and I remember him saying, like, Steve, if you watch my – he coached girls track. He goes, if you watch it, you'll think we're the laziest people you've ever met. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, what do you mean? We run, and then we sit for five minutes, and we do nothing for five minutes. Then we get up and run again and do whatever. And he goes, my practices are cut in half. I don't have to be out there all day. And it never clicked with me. I talked to Coach Dixon during COVID. And he explained things to me. Some of it clicked, some of it didn't. I just couldn't wrap my mind around, like, what do you mean you don't put pads on to Wednesday? What do you mean you're only running 10 plays of defense? Like, none of this is resonating with me. It doesn't feel right. And then when I talked to Coach Holler, he just said, you're going to be uncomfortable when you decide to make that switch of, like, just think about it. Like, what do up-downs do for you? Like, when you play, did they do anything for you? And I was like, well, it makes you in shape. He goes, no, it doesn't. And all of a sudden, it just clicked. So when I went to my head coach, he played um, linebacker at North Central. And so he has that linebacker mentality. And so I explained it to him. He goes, nope, nope. And then as we went on, he's like, all right, some of this makes sense. Because, like, we don't two-platoon. We have to practice offense and defense in one day. So I had to look at what the D-line was doing. Because my O-line, we're going to go practice D-line later on in the day. Are you hitting a lot today? And he might be like, oh, yeah, we're doing whatever. And I said, okay, an individual, I'm not hitting today then what do you mean you're not hitting? I was like, we're going to hit bags. Well, why? And I said, because think about it, coach. We're individual. If I have them hit one-on-one, whatever it is, do inside run, do team offense, turn around and go do defensive line stuff that's hitting, maybe play some scout team too and hit. They're going to get worn out by Friday. So I'm going to scale it back. And my old line, I remember week two or three, they were like, coach, we feel fresh still. And I'm like, okay, maybe there is something to this where you're bottled up and you want to go hit people on friday night instead of me killing you all week it's crazy
0: yeah
1: at the end of the day you want your kids i mean yes we we have to have them prepared but there's there's really no substitute for them feeling really really good on Mm -hmm. friday right they're gonna they're gonna play way better on friday as opposed to hey you know what man i feel really good we we had 20 reps of inside run and we hammered them. I mean, you might feel good as a coach, but the kids, if they're not going to be able to play full speed on a Friday night, you, it's literally going to be a counterproductive thing. And then you talk about obviously late in the season, all those things accumulate. You've right. only got so many hits in your shoulders. Right. Um, you know, we're we having to deal with that a little bit. I think, you know, we've, we've had some kids with some laborers and things like that. So I know we're even looking to modify things a little bit how we want to even practice with some of our bigger athletes. So it's a constant, constant battle, but I know this uh, on Friday nights, we, we usually have our best dudes out there. Right. And when you put your best dudes on the field, you're, you're always going to have a chance.
2: Right. Yeah. Cause um, we made the playoffs for the first time since 2014 and we started to think like, well, how did this happen? And obviously it's the kids that finally bought in, but we realized there was less injuries There was a couple teams that had more players than us, but we just kind of wore them down. Like, even though they had more players, they just kept their best guys on the field, and we just kind of wore them down a little bit. And we were like, okay, maybe there is something to what we were changing a little bit. So I know maybe this year we're going to even go even more further into what Coach Holler does because the head coach was like, maybe, Steve, maybe there is something that you were trying to bring here when you were talking to him so – and I'm like, and guess what, coach? <clears throat> we live in the suburbs. He's in the suburbs. We can go grab him. Other people don't have that opportunity. We could ask him to take 10 minutes to talk to us, you know? Like, it's not that hard. And so we'll see. But it is a crazy concept from when we all played. Like, it's still uncomfortable to me to be like, I want to do one-on-ones. Or I want to do this. I want to do this. And I'm like, Steve, old schoolness. Like, we don't need to do it no more. Like, the running for punishment even. I don't even do that anymore. I'm like, but it's uncomfortable still. And I think it will forever be uncomfortable, but, you know, we always have to think about when we did it and how did we like it? We hated it. I hated it. That's why I hate running to this day. I don't want to go run because it was punishment all the time, all the time.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I just think, yeah. I mean, any, anytime you do something new, you know, you you said it, Coach Holler said it, I mean, it's going to feel uncomfortable, but to me that's the only way we grow. I mean, if we're, if we're not feeling un- uncomfortable and all we're doing is just staying in our comfort zone, we're going to get the same results. Right. You know, no matter what you-, you have to step outside your comfort zone, you have to try new things, you have to experiment with things, you know, uh, we'll, we'll sit here and-, and talk about, you know, things all, all off season that we want to do offensively and and who knows they, they might be good. They might not be good, but we just got to try it. Right. Um, and I think you, you got to have, that that learning mentality nonstop. Otherwise, I, I don't think you're ever going to consistently get better, right? People are going to continue to adapt, people are continue to get better. Just because I did it, and it was successful at one point in my life doesn't mean that's going to necessarily work now or necessarily mean that there's a better way to do it. So I think that's what I'm most excited about. You know, we've had this this new staff, we have a new coach right now. And I, and I feel like there's just so many new ideas that are, mm-hmm. are coming to Ankeny you know, I kind of liken it back to, you know, when we first met with Coach Holler. So I think, you know, I'm hoping we can take it to another level, but you have to be surrounded, I think, by an atmosphere and, and group of people who, who want to get better and don't just want to sit there and say, you know what, well, we didn't do that in 1988. Well, <laughs> you know what, <laughs> I, the game's changed a little bit now too, and, and and people change, and there's there's new technology and new ideas that I think you consistently have to have your eyes and ears open to those things. Uh, Otherwise, the game passes you by.
2: Yeah. um, Our strength coach, we got him two years ago. He interned at Northwestern, and we got to go out to practice two years ago. And then I realized, oh, we're doing the same warm-ups that they do, which is the old-school flex of, like, getting lines. We're going to do this down the lines and stuff. And so this year I was like, how stupid is this flex period? And we just kept doing it. And, (laughs) well, Northwestern did it, and I was like, yeah, and they're one of the slowest teams – no offense to any of them, but the, if you looked at the Big Ten for the past two years before that, I was like, if you look at it, they got worn out by the year when it was over. And so I just kept saying, how stupid is this? How stupid is this? We're getting tired. Why can't we go individual groups and do some type of offensive line thing or quarterback thing, and that's our warm-up? you know? And I made that comment. I was like, I did this in 2004. Like, Why do we have to keep doing this? Let's uh, change it up a little bit. And it's because that's all that... That's all the kid knew. I mean, he's way younger than me. He's like, "That's what I know," and I'm like, "You'll learn. We don't need to do this no more." And and I want to say the Northwestern thing two years ago. Never saw anything that was reported. I just want people to know that. Never saw it.
1: Yeah, it. I mean, we've gotten rid of the, of, of Team Flex, and um, we don't do any of that stuff either. Um, We've got we've got two speed days that we do during the week and those are I mean it's all the the wake-up drills and, yep. and speed drills yep we, we focus we focus more yep. on max speed just because I feel like um, football is so acceleration driven yep we, we see our kids doing enough acceleration stops and starts by just playing the game of football that we don't spend a ton of time with that yep so it's all max speed driven because max speed is is what is what goes fastest it, it, mm-hmm. it, it leaves the fastest. So if you're not consistently watering it, doing it on a on a weekly basis, um, obviously it's going to go away. But for us, dude, it's it's ten minutes.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, we'll, we either time them time them on a, a Sunday or a Monday. Uh, our kids know exactly if they're they're getting faster or not. If they feel like crap from the week before on a Friday, our kids know they just hey I'm not running today, Coach Walls, and, and nobody says anything to them uh, other than maybe asking a couple questions. Hey, what's hurt? Have you gone in to see Grant, our trainer? Who does a phenomenal job as well communicating it, but you know it just lets everyone know where they're at. And then your developmental players, the guys that are fresh or the guys that haven't played, you know, maybe just a, a little bit of JV and stuff like that. They're getting faster. It's yep. a it's a, a really good speed development thing. And then uh, the next thing we'll do is either a Wednesday or, or Thursday. We kind of alternate which day we do. It, we'd run wickets, and again, we're not killing them. We're not going to run eight wickets or eight sets of it. You know, it's, it's two or three. Uh-huh. And, and get those guys going. And then we'd have, you know, maybe a, a different thought process. I'd, I'd, I'd go a little bit longer over with our skill kids or faster kids. So maybe it was a seven foot wicket,
0: mm-hmm.
1: seven and a half, every now and again, we'd get going. And then with some of our, our linemen or guys that maybe aren't as flexible guys, a little bit shorter, it'd just be six feet. We go every, every two yards. Um, and then other days we'd say, Hey, I want to work on, you know, turnover. So I would make them really, really short, and they'd go maybe three or four of them, but it's going to be a, a shorter wicket, and it'd just be a focus on, hey, turn it over, working uh-huh. cycles. So getting their their you know, full full leg cycle going correctly and and quickly. But that's literally all we'd have to do with that stuff. And then like you're saying, hey, you know, why go through a whole team flex period? We would we wouldn't on those other days. The other days it's all just football related. Yep. Hey, we're going to go straight into individual, or maybe it was a, a five minute correction period, really fast. Yep. Where we'd fix fix a few things and it's like, all right, now we're into indie. Um take your centers, your QBs, your running backs. We just call it exchange period. Hey guys, it's five minutes warm-up. QBs call the run play, they hand off to the running back, you pump fake your RPOs, the centers are doing mm-hmm. their footwork. We get an extra twenty five, thirty snaps every single day, and everyone else is over in indie. So I mean, there's ways you can get around it where you're quote warming up mm-hmm. that are are actually getting you better at football. Right. Is what we is what we we legitimately say. Those those 10 to 15 reps that you're getting during that 10-minute period, those things add up over the course of the season. I mean, if that's what you're doing three days a week, that's 30 more reps. Yep. You know, 10 weeks, that's 300 more reps of, of whatever it is we're trying to get better at instead of me doing a, a walking knee hug and me doing a, a mm-hmm. stretch and me doing jumping jacks. So I just feel like, those things accumulate over time to where we don't have to, you know, worry about those things because our our coaches are taking care of it, uh, by doing something football related to get those guys warmed up.
2: Right. We did that a couple of times where for some reason we didn't do flex. And so I said, okay, O line yesterday, we struggled in pass protection. So we're going to go over and work on stuff to me. I was like, we're working everything right now, hips, feet, ankles, and we're not going a hundred percent. It was, Hey, we're going to just, Make sure we're getting to the right placement. Maybe there was a time where hair inside zone steps looked terrible, so we're going to go over there and just go through the steps. And we're moving. And, you know, I know the warming up thing isn't a thing anymore, but we're moving. They're moving around. And I'm doing that with basketball. Like, I don't do stretches. And the kids are, like, coming from eighth grade. They're like, well, coach, when do we stretch? I'm like, you don't. What do you mean you don't? I'm like, I give you 15 minutes before practice just to shoot around, and you're moving and stuff, right? There you go. And it's not processing with them. And like, what do we do before a game to warm up? I'm like, well, you're going to do shooting. You're just going to go around and shoot. What do you mean? You're moving around. I don't need you to do something where you're tired. Well, coach, we got 30 minutes left. Should I go shoot? I'm like, no, wait till like 15 minutes. What do you mean? I don't want you tired. And so it's just, even with kids, they're, you know, they're getting taught the old school thing that they get to me and it's going out. Like, they don't have to worry about it anymore, and some parents don't like it. And I'm like, I kind of don't care either. I'm like, you don't have to care. Yeah, you don't have to like it. Yeah, um, we uh,
1: we changed like our pregame. It's interesting you talk about you know your basketball pregame. We we changed what we'd kind of done pregame as well. I mean, we we still go out an hour before, but we don't wear pads. Right. Yep. So everything we've everything we've done, we go out like early with your your skill dudes, your, your kickers, punters, snappers, all of that, and then we have you know receivers and QBs are out there. Everything was when it was warm outside, it was t-shirt and shorts. Uh-huh. So they'd have a helmet, t-shirt and shorts. Um, they'd go out and they love. It. I mean, the guys are moving freely. They look fast. They're not sweating through all of their you know equipment things like that, so they feel great. And then they would go back in after you know about that twenty minutes. Take 15 minutes. All right, put your pads on, put your shoulder pads on, get taped up, all the stuff that you needed to do, and then we would go out. It'd be just a brief, you know, indie period, and then we're Uh straight into to our team stuff, defensive team. You do those things. I I felt like it was way better too. I mean, we had games where you're playing where it's about 100 degrees, Uh and they're not they're not you know gassed out before they even take a snap. Where I feel like, you know, maybe a a few teams you watch them, they're out there and they're full uniform. 45 minutes to an hour for the game. They're doing a stretch. You're sitting in the hundred degree heat. And it's like, dude, you guys are going to have issues with, you know, hydration and staying cool just because of the way that you, you warm up. But again, yep. all that stuff, stuff again, goes back to the feed the cats mentality. We want uh-huh. you to be obviously ready to perform at an optimal level, but why are we doing these things an hour before, you know, the actual competition? It, it's right. ludicrous. To me.
2: It's, I think what, what Coach Tyler told me, it's kind of like a show we we would put on you put on. He's like, when you guys go out there and warm up for doing all this stuff and do this, this, and this, it's like a show. And, or huh. maybe it was Coach Dix, I don't remember. And I'm like, that's true. So, like, this year, uh, offense will go out and warm up on the game field, not the practice field. And I used to do, you, you do one-on-ones, you're hitting or whatever. They come to me, and I go, hey, just get a partner. They're going to line up, head up you, just quick inside zone step, quick wide zone step, so that way just mentally we're visualizing it, and it's very slow. <laughs> And then we line up and just say, okay, remember, this is how they're going to line up. This might how we have to block it. You step to it very quickly. They're not using any energy. I talk to them. They go get water. And then they wait. As we're watching everybody else do their stuff. And I remember the first game this year, they're like, coach, what are you doing? And I'm like, they're going to they're gonna stand here and get water and rest. What do you mean? I want their bodies to reset before this game. For the O-line perspective. Like, I don't want them tired. And the kids loved it. They're like, and, and two of my kids that have been with me since they were sophomores, now seniors, they didn't understand it at first. They were like, this isn't Coach Steve. We're hitting. We're supposed to do this. We're supposed to do this. I want to do this. And I'm like, good. Go hit the other team. Don't worry about what I'm doing. And I, I, this was the healthiest O-line I've had since I got to the school. Every year, every game, I never had the same starting O-line once in two and a half year two, three years. They always got hurt. This year was the first time where every single game except one or two I had the same starting lineup the whole time. And I was like, maybe there is something here. At least I'm telling myself that. But, I mean, it just people can understand it during the game. Like, why is the line standing on the sideline? Even I can hear the fans. And I'm like, don't worry about what I'm doing. But, like, they're relaxing. They're they're sitting. They're relaxing. They're resetting their bodies. You know, they just did a D-line drill for 10 minutes that had nothing to do with anything. And so they're going to relax for a little bit.
1: Yeah. They'll be ready to go with Friday. Trust me. They'll uh-huh. be ready to go when the, when the first snap's going. So I mean, yeah, it, it it's just funny. I mean, it, I think it it even bleeds over into you know their lives. You talk about you know fans and parents. It, it bleeds over. They feel like their kid always has to be doing something, uh-huh. right? I it, it would bother me, you know, having to, having to talk to to kids and parents like, yeah, my you know my dad woke me up at, at seven o'clock on the weekends. I'm like, dude, you tell tell them to quit waking you up early. Uh-huh sleep in, get, get your recovery. Sleep is important. Taking naps is important. It's okay. Um, you know, having to put them in another activity, having to put them in another thing they always just feel like maybe they're, they're falling behind when it's like, you got to find that, that good balance. I get it. You, You have to be, you have to be skillful. You have to be ready to go. You have to be prepared. But at the same time, if it's robbing from, you know, the, the kids happiness and health and recovery, to me now that's where it gets to be a problem you know i still i still tell our kids i'm like you know I tell them on the weekend hey go be a kid yep you know i mean I, our football program is is as serious as as any of them and i think you know i think we make it fun enough to where our kids want to be a part of it but at the same time i'm telling them hey saturdays they don't come in at all it's like hey go be a kid go yep. watch a college game go go have a blast go be with your fr- family go be with your friends your girlfriend whatever it is like telling them to go be a kid that i think so much of it gets taken from them now when they're when they're sixth and seventh graders, uh, and you live in a big city, there's just so many opportunities for those kids to. I, I got to go to this trainer. I got to go do uh-huh. you know, this thing. I got to yep. do this. It's like, I mean, I, I get it, man. If if it's if it's done healthy and you and you like it and you enjoy it, I, hey, I'm all for it. But if it's something that's kind of being forced upon them, that that's a conversation that I think you really need to have with your kids because. Ultimately, at the end of the day, their happiness and their their healthiness is going to be the biggest factor for you. I think you need to have those those little Mm -hmm. mental breaks for them and they need they need to have some time off. I mean, I'm also big on, you know, I I love multiple sports, Mm -hmm. but there's there's some kids who who are, you know, hey, they're a four sport athlete. And let's be honest, you were were, you and I were having the conversation at the start. um, Basketball can be year round. You know, some of our, our kids are doing uh, outdoor track and indoor track that becomes it can almost become like a year round type deal for them. You know, baseball can be a year round type deal that I think, you know, some kids need to have a, a chill zone. They need to have an off time where it's six weeks to eight weeks where all they do is recover, I think, uh-huh. for a week or two. And then they just get to lift weights. They yep. They get to do, you know, easy speed work where they don't have to worry about. Uh, competing all the time and grinding all the time and games all the time that I think the body does recover. And, and I'm seeing it right now with some of our kids. This is the first opportunity they had to lift. Like all of a sudden they, they put on five pounds of good weight. Uh-huh. They don't look stressed. They look athletic, they look explosive and they, and they think they start to feel that too. So I think there's also some of this, you know, I, like I said, I'm, I'm a huge multiple sports proponent. Uh, I want kids to be active, but at the same time, there's so many of the, the club aspects and the competition aspects and the year round go, 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 that I think you also need to find some of that time for them to, Hey, Hey, you need some time to recover and train.
2: Yeah. I had a kid last year as a freshman, he played basketball for me from November to February, he took a week off. When played AAU basketball until June. And then June hits, you're doing high school basketball, you're doing high school football. And I could tell in June he was very burnt out. And I, you know, God bless his mom and dad. They get along with me. They're like, we're here to support him. He wants to do this. And I said, cool, I get it. But when he was burnt out, I went up to him and I said, do you feel a little burnt out? you feel like a lot's going on right now? And he goes, yeah, I'm trying to do basketball. I'm trying to do football. And I'm like, you need a break. Like, just a break. And so I think we had talked to dad and we're like, hey, just give him this week off. Like when we got done with basketball and the football, just give him a week off. And that helped a lot because we were doing seven on sevens in June. Um, he, our 6'3, 215 pound quarterback, decided not to play his senior year. So this kid, who's a sophomore, was, we we're trying to make him our starting quarterback. That's even more pressure. and But having a week off helped him a lot. And so then when we got into July, we made sure we got done a week before our dead period, so they had two weeks off before we started going again. Um, I like to throw that in there. Our 6'3", fifteen pounds quarterback didn't play. Love it. <laughs> that sucks. To focus on baseball. If that tells you anything.
1: Sucks. But, I mean, it, like you say, it, it, it does suck, you know, but at the same time, you almost, I mean, if kids have goals – you almost got to support them. You know what I'm saying? I mean, as bad as it sucked, I mean, I've, I've had kids that, you know, they've quit or they've left. And and as long as I think they, I mean, as long as I think they're going to do something that maybe they're passionate about, I'm, I'm all for it. But, if, but like you, I mean, I don't, I don't know the kid's situation, but if it's something where it's like, you know, they're, they're being pressured or you know, someone else is, is maybe making the decision for them. That's when maybe I get a little bit leery. but you know, I've, I've had kids, you know, there's a, there's a kid right now he he was at, he was at Iowa um, when when at a, on a football scholarship that I coached Brody Breck uh-huh. um, but he also was playing baseball so I mean he's a, a freak athlete you know one of the best re- receivers I've ever coached one of the best kids I've ever coached and uh, it, it, when he would ask for my opinion you know yeah I want him to play football but I would uh-huh. say dude you're gonna be you're gonna be a major league baseball player right So uh, like I said like don't, you know, don't feel bad about at some point, you got. You're going to have to make a decision and, and choose one of them. You, you're not going to be able to do both, right? Uh, and ultimately, he did. I mean, he's, you know, he's he's a top five pitching prospect in the in the United States. He's going to get drafted. You know, he's got Jeff Samarge's brother as his agent, so I mean, a big Cubs dude. But I, I just, you know, as much as it ever pains you to say, you know, hey, you want you want the kid to go in the sport that you coach. I mean, I, I just feel like at the end of the day, if a kid's passionate about something. You gotta let them chase it, uh-huh. and I think, I think being supportive of those kids, and and whatever decision they make, and being excited for them, and congratulating them, and celebrating with them, I mean, to me, that's that sends the bigger message. I mean, yeah, it sucks, you know, but at the end of the day, you you want to see those kids be successful.
2: Yeah, we were all frustrated just because it put pressure on us, and then we all took a step back, and we were like, well hopefully he gets a scholarship and i think he just signed a day to go to quincy division 2 for baseball and we were awesome. like and we were like awesome awesome yeah you you see this kid and you go i think it was more because we were you know obviously you want him to play football and then we were trying to you try to tell him hey if you play football it's just going to help you that more in baseball to get recruited chose not to ends up getting a baseball scholarship and we're like that is awesome cuz you're representing the school and all that stuff, so it still worked. It worked itself out, you know. Absolutely. But that competitive side of a coach is like, well, we want this 6'3", 215-pound quarterback <laughs> to play because he could just run people over, you know, and it's just, you know. And then you have a sophomore quarterback come in and have to learn everything, And but that's part of coaching, right? Like we have to adapt to what we have, especially in the public school where you just get what you get. And yeah. we're not private and can't recruit, so whatever we get, we got to move with it. And, and like I said, it worked out. We made the playoffs. We did all those things. We're like, look, it worked itself out. He gets a scholarship. We had a good season. And- no doubt.
1: And, I, and to me, that's always my, my favorite part of, of coaching. I mean, you, you talk, okay, you know, our situation at, at Ankeny, um, you know, this year, new staff, you know, new, new head coach, a bunch of new, just a lot of new stuff. And right. then, I mean, you talk about what, what's coming back. Uh, kind of on both sides of the ball. Not a lot of returning starters. I mean, no, nobody had us ranked in the top ten. Um, no, I think it was the last day of maybe something in the summer where they actually sent out the media to say, "Oh yeah, Ankeny's got a football team this year." <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it was kind of it kind of felt like that. I mean, and our kids, you know, they, they ran with it. They felt a little bit slighted, knowing how successful the program has been in the past. But you know, I, I get it too. There's a lot of question marks, but. That's what made it fun as a coach. You know, mm-hmm. you're gonna you're breaking in a brand new quarterback, who no one's seen before. You're breaking in, you know, a couple of unproven receivers and offensive linemen and some kids that are undersized. And same thing, you know, defensively, we're having to replace a lot of people. We're not the biggest up front, but I know this. Uh, there wasn't one coach that that didn't just relish that fact of holy mm-hmm. cow, we're, we're going to be the underdogs. We're going to develop kids. We're going to coach everybody. We're going to find ways to get dudes reps and, and change the way that we practice. And, and man, it was, a, it was a next man up mentality, the entire year, you know, two starters on defense go out. Like I said, we're, we're undersized a little bit on offense and our guys just balled out uh-huh. um, and, and they just kept playing and they kept proving people wrong, um, you know, upset a couple of teams in the playoffs and Holy cow, we end up in the state finals against a, an, an unbelievable Southeast Polk team. But, you know, to, to piggyback up what you're saying, I mean, it was one of the most fun years I've had coaching just because the expectations from maybe an outside perspective were, were pretty low, but knowing from our aspect, we knew we had talented players and we knew we had kids who were going to uphold that tradition of, of Hawk football. And uh, it it was awesome to see those guys laid on the line, you know, guys playing injured guys playing multiple positions and, and guys really, contributing any way that they could to, holy cow, have an unbelievable season where we finish, uh, finish runner-up when nobody really gave us a snowball's chance in hell.
2: Yeah, we had we had the similar thing. People said, this team's going to win three games, I think. They said, we're going to win three games. We went two and seven last year. They're like, they're, they're only going to win three games. This kid's not playing. Uh, we graduated a really fast receiver, blah, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. And our regular season, we ended six and three regular season. Go on the road for the playoffs into a city because we're the suburbs of Chicago. Go play a city school. One, it was the first road playoff win for the school since 1997. And we're wow. like, look at this. And we made the playoffs for the first time since 2014. Then we play the second round. We play a very. We were the 25th seed. They were the 9th seed. And we went to toe-to-toe with them. What changed the game was we turned the ball over five times, I think. That's what killed mm-hmm. it. And we went toe-to-toe with them. I think we lost by 10. So it's like toe-to-toe with this team that was eight and one, blah, 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 blah. And you know, the papers still didn't want to, the papers never talked about us till that week round two, it was all of a sudden like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they have a football team. We forget. We forgot. And our kids actually liked it. They were like, Hey, nobody's talking about us. Um, nobody believes in us besides us. I run our social media pages. So I was the only person posting stuff for them. I was like, guys, we're the only ones that believe this. And we just grinded and never quit. And, it was just awesome, you know, and you love those type of things where you're unproven, and then next year we have a target on our back a little bit, but ultimately, you know, it just showed how much fun we were having too. Like, well, they were like winning's fun. That's why it seemed like we were less stressed, but like the kids were just having a blast, and now you have some kids, man, we want to do these football stuff. We want to do extra work. We might be getting some kids to come back to play football, and so it's just awesome. You know, and some kids might get back into sports, you know, because we were a school that COVID just killed, like set Mm -hmm. us back way back because we went into games with like only like 35 kids and the other team might have 50 and we beat them. You know, like one of the schools in Illinois, they're split into two. If they ever make the playoffs, their enrollment is 8,000. That's in our conference and our school has 2,000 and we're like, this ain't fair, but we end up beating them because we outlasted them. You know, and so we took those as strides and saying you beat an 8,000 enrollment, a 4,000 enrollment, and everything else. Look at our proven sophomore quarterback. Uh, we had to replace our running back, our wide receiver. You know, we had to replace our linebackers. It's just a blast.
1: Yeah. It, like I said, it's, it's, it's why you coach. And, I mean, it, it always becomes kind of that, that mentality, too. I mean, you know, underdog. Are, are we going to sit here? Are we going to make excuses? Are we uh-huh. going to go, woe is me? Are we going to feel – Hey, they got this, they got that, they got this, or, or are you gonna just look at it as a challenge? Yeah, you're right, they do. But guess what? They they haven't played us yet. Right. Right? We're gonna, we can outlast you, we can out, you know, out scheme you, we can we can make a big play, we can I mean there's there's just so many different ways you can win a football game that as long as your kids believe, you know.
2: <laughs> right. Um maybe off topic, who knows? Um <laughs> How did you end up up there? Because I think I remember. Listen, you've been kind of all over the place, yeah. coaching everywhere. Yeah.
1: Um. Well, I uh, ended up in Iowa for uh, my my wife.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'd actually, you know, been coaching in Oklahoma for for a while. Um, before that, I was actually back home in my in my hometown of Pierce, South Dakota. Um, and I was lucky enough to to meet Dub Maddox at Jenks yep. through a. a couple of connections that we had had so uh interviewed with dub and then got hired in, in jenks so that's how i ended up in oklahoma and uh you know was at jenks for three years at tulsa for a while and then i was i was at broken arrow um i went to broken arrow with dave alexander um he was the guy that was the offensive line coach run game dude at at jenks he ended up getting the head job at ba um and broken arrow had never won a, a state title So I wanted to leave Jinx just because I felt like this was a place that hadn't had an experience winning and it was something that was a new challenge. Uh So I was kind of ready for that. We got to the finals my second year. We got second and then they ended up winning it two years later. Well, anyway, while I'm at Broken Arrow, um, one of my good buddies from South Dakota had moved to Iowa at the time. um, And he had actually, you know, met a a girl or a woman uh, and then at a party he met basically who ended up being my wife. And he was like, hey, you know, this girl. I think she'd be she'd be perfect for you. So once I met her, um, it was just like instant. How you kind of know, you just click. Right. So uh, I tried my damnedest to get her to move to Oklahoma. <laughs> like, uh, was in, you know, in with the superintendent, you know, Coach Alexander's, hey, whatever we got to do, you know, they'd met her. They knew she was a really, really nice lady, too. Um, and just couldn't get her to leave Iowa. You know, her family's here. She'd had the same job for a long time. You know, so I kind of had to. Hey, I'm either going to have to, you know, break break this off, uh, or you know, I'm going to have to move up there. And right. I knew that you know she was the one. So, um, uh, end up moving up here. I got pretty lucky at Ankeny High School. Um, Rick Nelson was the the old head coach. He just left. He went back to, to Northern Iowa. He's the offensive line coach at Northern Iowa. Awesome dude. Um, but I, I remember I sent out probably 30 letters. Uh, emails to people, coaches, you know, a little bit different in Iowa than it was in Oklahoma. You know, Oklahoma, if we lost two games, I, I'd get fired. Wow. You know, Iowa, I mean, hey, it's, you know, football's important. They love football, but at the same time, it's, you know, obviously your teaching job's a little bit more secure. Right. Than if we were we were losing games and things like that. But, uh, you know, I got maybe you know, kind of three responses. It was pretty crazy, but, you know, Coach Nelson – had obviously coached Oklahoma before, you know, heard of Jenks, heard of some of those places. Mm-hmm. So I uh, went and had lunch with him. Lucky enough, they had a chemistry spot open. I taught chemistry. Um, so when interviewed for, for a job at Akeny. Um I was hoping I would get it. I wasn't too sure. Cause uh, you know, I didn't know how many coaches they'd hire in the building, things like that, but our principal did end up uh, recommending me to get hired. So I uh, ended up moving up here, but, Kind of, kind of dumb luck that I ended up at Ankeny. If I would have been at Ankeny, you know, there's a couple other schools around here. Coach Swenson at Valley was a guy that you know, would have been a fun dude to work for, uh, or even getting into Des Moines Public. But mm-hmm. like I said, I got pretty lucky with with Ankeny, and and super glad that I did because what an awesome place to work! I, I love it. It's a it's a great great community.
2: Yeah, it, has, it was that happy wife, happy life type of thing. I had to do the same thing. Uh, yeah. Oh,
1: it, it, she. There was no way she was moving to Oklahoma. So like I said, I gotta gotta keep her happy and, and it and it's you're you're totally right. I mean, my my life would be a mess without her. So it's it's been great. It's worked out awesome.
2: Yeah, because I grew up by champaign Urbana and then um by the U of I and then went to eastern Illinois, met her there. She's from up here in the suburbs, um, got her master's and everything, got a good job, and she was like, I can't pass this job up, so we're gonna have to move to the suburbs. So I was like, here we go i'm a small town boy we're up in the suburbs and it's like what's a four lane road what are you talking about you know i need my country roads and so it's been it was 2018 when that happened and so um it's been the adjustment but yeah same thing kind of like the same thing where i came up here I had to put exactly like i had to send people stuff i was an oc down in charleston high school and like started sending out stuff and what got me was a school here he was like hey I coach at Charleston High School back in the nineties. Come talk to me, went and talked to him. He goes, All right, you're on. And then I just kind of got my name going, popped around some high schools, and then I've been at this high school for four years. So it just happy wife, happy life, and you move around a little bit and then then you settle. And then you're there. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. It was I mean, she'd lived she lived in West Des Moines, which is like literally it's a 30 minute drive to get up to Ankeny. So we had a we had a condo down in West Des Moines. And it was just brutal driving every day, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes. Uh So I kept telling her, I'm like, we need to move someplace a little bit closer. So she works kind of Northwest of here and we ended up settling on a place here in in Polk city. And we love it here. Um, it's kind of the best of both worlds a little bit closer to hers and a lot easier drive for me in Ankeny. But I, you know, I kept telling her, I think I figure out the math. I tell her, I'm like, I go, I'm spending five hours in a car every single day. I said, if I do that, or not five hours every single week, and I'd uh-huh. add it all up. I'm like, I'm like wasting days of my life just sitting in a vehicle, right? And Having to drive back and forth. And she's like, you know what? Yeah, that's true. So I mean, found a house that she wanted, and like you said, you just settle. Uh-huh. And this is where we we kind of kind of want to be. You know, she'll be uh, retiring here soon. She's a little bit older than me, so she'll be able to retire. Uh, I'm gonna keep working, but I think, you know, once she retires, then it, it's time we'll we'll move where I want to move. So that's actually <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm pretty. Ex- I'm pretty excited about that too because i want to move further south i want to be someplace warm and then uh-huh. let's also be honest hey that's where you know the the super competitive football volume know, it's still the same but i mean when i say super competitive like football's life
0: uh-huh.
1: you know it can become kind of a career they have athletic periods i'd love to get back into that mode of where it was you know i, I did teach obviously but i want to be at a place where, where football is king Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you got spring football and you got all those things so i think you know we'll, we'll look at moving south here when she's ready to retire
2: was it like a big adjustment for you then going to iowa
0: huge
1: a, huge oh yeah it, it massive so i mean like i said i you know and i it's hilarious because i mean obviously I, I took great pride in my teaching i taught chemistry i taught math you know i was i was a PE teacher in other places i've i've, I've certified a lot of areas well when I get to Iowa, I was only certified in chemistry. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I I could cross the river and teach ten subjects, but in Iowa, it's very very particular. Right. Um. So go. So so going up there, you know, I would tell people stories like seriously. Um. You know, at, at Jenks and any of these places, if if we needed to game plan more, they'd give us Monday off. Wow. And they get uh, They give us a sub. <laughs> like hey you guys got you guys got a big you guys got a big game this week and nobody bat an eye it wasn't even like people would be like oh yeah yeah hey it's big game we get it we'll get you a sub don't worry about it so i mean you'd have you'd have support like that um i would teach four classes um usually like weight room pe and then i'd have a football class so your football class you'd meet you'd lift and then or you could go and go and start practicing um, you know, I got buddies in Texas now. They have two football periods, one at the start of the day, one at the end of the day, and they're running that. So, I mean, it, it's just it was a whole new line of thinking, you know, your PE, your kids, your kids didn't have to take PE because football counted as their PE class. Mm-hmm. So that's a, another adjustment. I mean, here, you know, there's eight class periods. They have to take another PE. And I, thats it, it's still kind of foreign to me. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but, I mean, whatever. It is what it is. But as far as, you know, up here, you know, you're, obviously your, your teaching job is going to come first and then football has almost kind of looked like, hey, it's it's kind of a hobby for you. Well, yep. not really. I mean, it's, it's, it's what got me into teaching. It's what got me into these things. So, I mean, uh, that was kind of a hard adjustment to me. But at the same time, I think it's it's changed over time. Hey, they know coach wallace is a great teacher he could build relationships he could do all these things and they can make a greater impact as a coach uh-huh. so i think they've kind of they've kind of accommodated a, a little bit they've done a better job of you know getting coaches in the building now we, we're seeing more kids get back out um i just i just think you know it, it was a, a big adjustment there was a lot of great things down there but there's also a lot of great things here and i think it's cool to work in a place where there's, there is some, some open ideas. They will try to work with you and you, and they allow us to kind of change and, and run it. And I'm excited for the future just because I think, you know, there's a lot of cool things that, that we can do and, and modify within the, you know, the, the framework that they do mm-hmm. give us. But, but, but what I like to have athletic periods, dude, absolutely. I mean, the, the kids, the kids want to do it. There's, I've pulled kids at our school, I mean, athletes it's like ninety-nine percent say yes, they would love to have athletic periods. I mean why yeah. why why would they why would they not want to do that? I mean, they allow kids to have vocal uh-huh. choir. they allow kids to, to go do band. How is that any different? You talk about activities. I mean, I, I, I get it. That's an activity. I know they 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 get a grade and things for that, but that's a that's a passionate thing for a lot of those kids. They're able to do that during the school day. Why can't they do the same thing? Why do they have to call that, quote, extracurricular? You're, um, you're preaching to the it, choir right now. I mean, it, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me how, you know, so, some forms of development for a human being are accepted within the school day and others have to be, quote, extra. Uh-huh. Um, it, it'll, it'll never – and at the same time, then you'll read, you know, the mission statement of, of all, all these schools. And we want we want to be, you know, adaptive to all learners. Uh-huh. Do you? <laughs> so, I mean, again, there's they're super supportive no matter where you go in this state. But at the same time, I feel like there's a lot of things we could do to maybe make things a little bit better if there were, you know, a little bit more open to some of these ideas. You know what? Slowly it's changing, but that's how education goes, man. It's uh-huh. like a it's like a cruise ship trying to turn thanks forever.
2: Oh, you're preaching to the choir. I, my head coach would love to hear all that because we said the same thing. We. We talked to Texas coaches and stuff at clinics, and we listened to what they get to do. And we're like, that would be awesome to just, some say they practice in the morning, some say they just practice yep. in between classes and they get it done and they can do film. And I'm like, this sounds awesome.
1: Well, and you, and you get to work with, I mean, so, you know, someone will have it set up with, you know, JV or ninth grade. You could you can coach your ninth grade kids in the morning. Uh-huh. All right. So I'm, I'm, you'd be free as a coordinator or an online coach. You coach your, your freshmen in the morning with, with your other freshman coaches. Yeah. And then you have the afternoon period. Okay. I, I get to watch film or I'm in the weight room for those you know, weight classes that you have and see your kids. And then you're, you're preparing for a meeting and then you get to go out and practice. I mean the, what people don't understand, they just like, Oh, you know, you're just going to go coach and you're playing a game. No, I'm, I'm in charge I'm in charge of 200 and some kids mm-hmm. uh, and not to mention you're in charge of managing a group of seven, eight, nine, ten 10 coaches. Yep. Um, there's a, a lot of responsibility there. The relationship building piece, the, the pieces of where we're teaching them, you know, character and showing up on time and being dedicated to a cause. I mean, I think a lot of people lose, lose sight of that. They think we're just out there. Like we're playing Madden and just calling plays and having yep. fun, which don't get me wrong. It's <laughs> it's why i do it it is fun there's a there's a great aspect to it but at the same time um any any athlete will tell you that's their their favorite class that's their favorite time of the day i mean it's it's more than just a game
2: yep, yep. i think and the amount of hours we put in like mm-hmm. so people are like it's just a hobby do you see all the hours we put in and not being home sometimes and you know, when you do come home, you do something for an hour, and then you're just watching film or reach, yeah. I reach out to people and ask questions. You're doing all that. Or you have a college football game on, you see something cool, so you write it down and say, like, oh, look at – like, you're just constantly working and your mind's going. And, you know, when football was over for us, I went right into basketball, but I was still in football mode. I didn't know it was December. <laughs> I did a, yeah. the, the podcast yesterday. I was talking to Coach Ambrose, you know, up there, and he was yeah. like – I've been off football for only two weeks because they made it to the state title game. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah, I've only been done for like two weeks. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, Steve, it's December. And I started laughing recording. And I'm like, Oh shit. Sorry. I didn't mean yeah. it. I didn't know.
1: Yeah. It, like, right now. I mean, again, you got, you know, we have to go in after school because again, you know, you, you can't get all the lifting done that you need in a 40 minute class period. Yep, and you, you know, PE, like uh, eight minutes to get dressed, eight minutes yep. before to go get dressed again. So, I mean, you're talking by the time they're they ready to roll, you got 25 minutes. So, you know, we got kids coming in after school. I go in there every day. And, you know, again, I, well, you're saying you don't have to. Well, yeah, I do. Uh-huh. You're the offensive coordinator. You need to be visible. You need yep. to see who's working, who's there, who's developing. Who do I need to talk to? You know, who's who's doing a great job, who maybe isn't. So, I mean the The off season now is it, still no off season. We're meeting no. with kids. We're evaluating. You know, you're you're evaluating scheme, just like you said. We're all fans, but at the same time, it's like how do we, how do we continue to build on the success that we've had? Uh-huh. Um, I if I'm going to do something, I don't want to. I don't want to half ass it. I don't want to be. I don't want to right. be, be average. If we're just going to be average, and, and you're working for someone that wants to be average, I'm probably not going to work for that person for very long. Right. Um, if we're going to put our freaking name to it, it, it's going to be excellent. And we're going to do the best that we can just because that's, that's the standard of people and who we are. Right. You know, I'm not going to, Hey, Hey, I got a, I got a brand new truck and I'm not going to take care of it. I'm going to, I'm going to take it in get it worked on, make sure it's working good and looking good. That's the same thing. I don't want to drive around in a, in a beater,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. my football program to be the best it can be too.
2: Right. And the the big piece, which I know culture is not the word anymore, and I don't even know what you call it.
1: We still call it culture.
2: <laughs> I do, I do too. It's just I know that word gets thrown around all the time. No
1: question, no question. It's the buzzword.
2: It's the buzzword. <laughs> so I'm always careful, and I still say it. But part of it is to be if you're telling those kids you're, to to do all this stuff, you better be doing things to 100%. show them that you're doing, it. and then off season you still have to have the relationship with them so you may not see them every day anymore but the moment you do you should go talk to them for a minute and continue that send them a message every once in a while like hey how's basketball going hey how's wrestling going uh you know how's the grades going and so that way you're constantly still there and people don't realize that like you said that's the huge part is how can you relate to these kids And it wasn't like when we all play where the coach could just be one way. You have to treat these kids differently. Like, this kid's not going to respond this way. This kid I can joke with. This kid I know has a rough home life, so I have to be careful of certain things you say or how you act Mm -hmm. because maybe they have a a trauma. Like, so you're constantly doing that 12 months out of the year. It never stops. And people that don't coach and just teach and leave at 3 o'clock, they don't know. They have no clue well, I build relationships in the classroom. I'm like, I know you do. And that's awesome. And I appreciate that. But then from three 30 to six or not even that long, we're doing it again. And then we go home and a kid sends you a message about how I I, I coached at a school where the kids didn't want to go home because of where they lived. Yeah. And, and so you have to deal with that. And then like, coach, I might go rob somewhere cause I have no food. Well, what are you supposed to do? And it's like, no offense to the teachers and counselors, they went home at three o'clock. We don't stop. We never stop ever.
1: No, no, it's, and, and again, it's, it's why we do what we do though. Seriously. I yeah. mean, that's, it's just part of the job, um, the, the hours that we put in, but at the same time, it's like, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. No. You know, but it, but it's also, but like, I know what, what you're saying and what we're saying, it's like, you know, some. You know, be be appreciative of it too, and and give it its its credence. When somebody just says it's just a game, it just really irritates me. You know, I don't I don't want to bag on anyone else's career or life, but like you know, football's like a huge part of my life. Yep. You know, seriously, like if I, if I didn't co if I didn't coach, I didn't you play football, do all those things. Like, there's a lot of things in my life that I wouldn't have. And, uh, and that would be you know, pretty weird. Like I, I would have never met my wife mm-hmm. if I didn't coach football, you know, and no coaches and no people and things yep. like that. So, I mean, there's so many avenues and doors that get opened by it. And so many people get helped through this game that it's not just a game. Uh-huh. Uh, the, yeah, this, the 48 minutes that we're on the field, maybe. Yep. But the, the other 365 days. That we're uh, we're around it and and building these relationships with kids, absolutely. And you talk about culture; that's that's one thing that I think you know. Coach Bowers come in at, at Ankeny, and, and it's I, I've gotten more messages and more people that have come up to us and talked to us about like they, we just love the culture that you guys are building. Is uh-huh. what so many parents say, so many kids say, so many former player, players say. And I think all that's a, a testament to, to Coach Bauer, um, just the the expectation of kids working hard kids not quitting um, kids being men of character has been a big one that he's really, you know, preached about. And, and again, you know, I think sometimes when you when you talk about it in your public about being men of character, people try to take shots at you uh-huh. because you're, you're going to mess up. You're yeah. going to have kids who do bad things. You're going to have, you know, coaches who make bad decisions at times, but that's not to me what it is all the time. The whole thing is, it's like, Hey, we, we know we're trying to be men of character, Yep. Um, We're going to talk to to them about it. We're going to educate them about it. You know, it, we want them to be good students. Um, I, I, it's a big thing for, for coach Bowerty. He talks about, about, hey, you know, do do your classwork, sit, sit up in class, make Mm -hmm. sure you're, you're, you're a person that the the teacher can, can call on or can count on. Right. And if, uh, and if they are, you know, slipping up a little bit. It's, it's easy for us to have these conversations, not only with the, the kid, but with the teachers as well. I, feel, I think they feel like, you know, we're approachable people and we will, you know, do our best to, to, to rectify some of the situations. But, you know, yeah, it, that's what, you know, it's like the, the people that, oh, you go to church, oh, you, know, you go to church and you believe in God or something like that. And then all of a sudden they see the person, you know, smoking or they see the person having a beer or something like right. that. And they want to, Oh, yeah, look at that. He's not really that much of a, a goer or whatever. It's like, well, dude, you know, people are not perfect. We get it. But at the same time, there's a lot of things that we're trying to do that I feel like the kids are buying into and the kids are doing. And I think there's a lot of, of people who are appreciative of that. We're, we're not just saying, hey, win at all costs, you know, try to win state titles, things like that. We're still trying to build men of great character in our program. And it's nice to hear that people are seeing
2: that. Right. One of the biggest things you said was to show the kids it's okay to mess up. Like, I I think I said it today in practice. Like, guys, it's okay for you to make yeah. mistakes. I made a mistake today in practice. I think I said the wrong drill. Or, like, in football sometimes I might say, hey, you're supposed to block this. And they're like, well, coach, it was wide zone or it was inside zone. Oh, you're right. Or, or whatever it is. Like, those are small things. But, like, when we screw up, I'll straight up tell them when I screw up. And I'll apologize. And then you have to show that you're going to get better. And I think that's the biggest thing to show them like, oh, it's okay to make a mistake and I'm not going to get reamed or, you know. And another thing I try not to say to kids is there's consequences. But sometimes I say there's a trade-off. Like, hey, there's a trade-off. You decided to do this. So the trade-off is X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's consequences for what you chose. And I told them the same thing. Like, my trade-off is I'm here all day. The trade-off is... I see my wife less, you know, so that's why I'm here working as hard as I can. And they appreciate that. I think, like you said, this was the year where it kind of broke through for us because I got to the school during COVID like an idiot. I was like, COVID won't last this long. I'll be hired there. Well, you know, then there we were. But it's finally clicked, I think, a little bit of if we're putting, showing it's okay to mess up, it's okay that we're here doing this with you guys, you, you'll buy in. And they finally started to. Now now the, now the question becomes it's never going to stay the same. It has to mold, it has to form, and we have to change a little bit. And then how do you continue to do it year in, year out, because it's going to be a different team? How do you get them all to continue to buy in? And so, like you said, but that's the fun part, you know, like the challenge and the fun part of doing it. And that's why we're there hours upon hours a day and not yeah. home.
1: It, it certainly helps with your credibility too when it's successful right right you got you guys make the playoffs first time since 2014 so it's it, it kind of gives you a little bit of you know almost what i call it, street cred
0: right i think
1: you get a little bit of that behind it it, it at least gets kids to buy in but at the same time you, you can't get complacent and say uh-huh. oh, hey we're here and, and it should all just kind of take care of itself it's still how do you treat people how do you talk to people you know are do am i still going to the weight room do we still uh-huh. care about these things i think all those things have to be cultivated on a daily basis, literally mm-hmm. a, a daily yep. basis. Otherwise, it, it, it just starts to slip. I mean, I think you said it before. You're talking about like, hey, your your inside zone steps get bad. Well, maybe that's because we we start to think about something else. Like, oh yeah, I'm a, we, we want to install this new play or I want to do this, and all of a sudden, then your your basic fundamentals deteriorate. It's like, right. man, I got to do these things every single day. Yep. Otherwise, it, it's it's not going to happen. And I feel like that's where you know, maybe some people, you know, miss the boat because they'll, they'll put something on a poster or or have a slogan or something like that, but it's not something they go back to every day, Uh which is what I felt like, you know, that was one of the big things with coach Bauer and and our coaching staff, men of character, men of character. you, You keep saying that and you keep, you know, Hey, trying to model that. And then like you said, Hey, when I mess up, everybody messes up, but here's how we learn from it. Here's how we get better from it. I mean, there's a couple of times like when kids have gotten in, in trouble and I'll talk to them and I think they're expecting like, Oh man, coach wall is just going to come hammer me and and, I, and they're going to get it. And I think they're surprised maybe sometimes when I'm like, Hey man, it's all right.
0: Uh-huh.
1: People make mistakes and they're kind of like, they kind of almost pull back a little bit. Like, really? Like so I, I've even said to a couple of them, like, Hey, I, um, I know you messed up, but I get it. And you're kind of like, really? I go, I get it. I know why you did that. Yep. I know I know why you I know why you responded that way. I said, but here's maybe a better way that you do. And I think once they they hear that human side or they hear your story of you know, I've messed up, I've done mm-hmm. this before. All of a sudden now that that credibility and put yourself on their level goes a long way.
0: Mhm.
2: I did not this is what my 14th year. I didn't do that at first because it, it was old school, you know, 14 years ago. It was neither. old school. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, and then the slow, and I would never tell them, like, I would never tell a kid I screwed up in high school. I would never tell them I did something stupid. And then, I don't know, maybe five years ago or so, it started to, I started to do that because of a school I coached at. Like I said, they did not want to go home. I had kids living out of a car. I had kids living in a hotel room.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I realized, oh, they have it worse than I do. So when something come up that I can relate to, I would t- start to tell them and, you had a couple kids that might've been gangbangers and and stuff like that. And I'll never forget a kid was like a coach has never yelled at me like that before. And I'm like, Oh God, he's going to try to beat me up or something. And he goes, you're all right. Anytime you're in trouble, call this number. And I'm like, Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, but that's because there was a respect factor of, I respected what they're going through, blah, blah, blah. We are going to treat you the same as everybody else. We're going to try to get the best out of you. And, um, and then I slowly started to tell people well, I've done stupid things. And and like you said, they respect that way more of maybe they know what they're talking about. But I say that sometimes like Coach Steve knows a little something, something, doesn't he? And they're like, yeah, he does. And <laughs> and then I tell them that's why I have a receding hairline because of you guys. It's starting to happen. Yep. And the gray hair is popping in.
1: I got plenty of those.
2: I hate it. And. I think someone told me you get gray from football and bald and basketball. I don't remember. And so I was like, oh, so both is going to happen to me. Great. Thanks for that.
1: It makes you more wise. You look more wise. You know, they know you've, you've been around a while.
2: I know sometimes during the season, like coach, you all right. You look a little beat up. And I'm like, got some miles on me guys. It's okay. You know, start coach when I was 18, 19 years old and, I'm 33 now. I'm like I got some miles.
1: Seen a few things, heard a few stories.
2: Oh yeah, I got I, I, I got lots of things, especially what I've coached at seven or eight high schools and I've coached. I've coached all sports except soccer, track, baseball, base basketball, football. And I wouldn't trade it for anything because I took pieces of every single one of those schools and pieces from every one of those head coaches and I've molded into what I'm doing now. Good, bad. And so I tell people you got to coach at different places sometimes. Like you just got to um don't coach yeah. at your high school yeah. all the time. Jump around a little bit and it, it actually helps me relate to kids more and learns how to talk to kids being in different situations. Like like you did, you've been in different places. I'm sure it's the same thing. You took pieces and you're you're able to relate to a wide range of people
1: experience experiences. I mean, uh, it's the best way to learn. I think again, you know, some people learn by, you know, see, seeing someone else do it. I was never one of them. I had to experience it,
0: uh-huh.
1: you know, whether, whether it was going to be a mistake or it worked out great. You know, that was going to be the way I learned, but um, yeah, I think just meeting new people, being in new, new scenarios, new situations. Like, you know, never thought in the world I'd do a podcast. Oh, and, and, no. you know meet meeting the number of people that you uh you get to meet there that just, it just opens so many doors for you i mean mm-hmm. we, we have kids you know kids looking to get recruited or or whatever you, you know somebody somewhere or you know somebody that knows that somebody so you can you can make a connection that way but i just feel like yeah if you uh if you just stay in one one zone and you don't open your eyes up to all the different uh, horizons and things that are out there. It just makes you so close minded. Yep. I mean, I feel like, yeah, you go, you go to a lot of different places, you experience diversity of thought, diversity of people, you know, just the, the different ways that that people act and, and are,
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, I just, I just think you, you just get used to it. And, uh, and, and it, to me, it's, it's the coolest part. Everybody's different and not everybody yep. the same and that's that's probably what makes football the most fun. Yes. You know, you got you got to have kickers. You yeah. got to have you got to have skilled people. Um, you know, Urban Urban Meyer not probably you know the, the most popular guy uh, to some people anyway, but <laughs> right. You well know, I I, I loved what he said in his book about it'll be the one big takeaway I took from him, but you know, if you're going to be a good football program, all 90 your positions need to be elite. Yep. If I, want, if I want to be elite, it just can't be – I've got an elite defense, and, you know, and our offense is okay and our special teams are okay. You're not going to be elite. Right. You know, uh, I, you you have to love all of those things. That's why, you know, people want to, you know, mess around with kickers and punters. Like, Ooh, those guys are important. They're unbelievably important, especially if you need to make, you know, big kicks or flip the field and things like that. I just feel like that's why I love football so much because – it takes everybody different styles of coaches, you know, it can't, they can't all be the same. You got to have guys that are a little bit different, different styles, yep, uh, different ways that they teach things. And then, you know, teaching everyone to, to get, to get, you know, to get on the same page, to, to work together. It's, it's literally the ultimate team game Mm -hmm. and it's such a a microcosm of, of so many things you got to be able to do in life.
2: Mm -hmm. And then, that's how these podcasts work because we all love talking about it. We all want to hopefully give back to other people. I've met coaches yeah. that don't. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. But like you said, people in high, that I went to high school with, they still can't believe I do a podcast. They're like, they know who I am. And they're like, you do a podcast? And I'm like, yes. And I still can't believe it. You know, like I mean a coach in Iowa, I've met, you know, like you, you've met way more people, but like slowly, like, oh, you meet all these college coaches, you meet all these high school coaches, then they go to college, or then they do this. And then, like, uh, I text college coaches or certain high school coaches, congrats on the new job, and then you keep in touch, and it's just amazing. And no no offense to other type of coaches, but it's only been football-related. And I know there's great basketball coaches and stuff like that, but it's been football, it's been... You know, building that community and relationship. And so then I bump into them in clinics, too. That's the best. You do this, you see them at a clinic, you start talking, and it's just it just blows up. And like you said, it's just resources and relationships, and it's it's the best. Yeah, I, I played all three sports. It, this, by far, has been the best one with everything. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely, hands down. Not even close.
2: Well, Coach, I've taken a lot of your time. I appreciate it. There was no scheme talked about, but I like doing this part. This part oh. I love.
1: Yeah, dude, it, it's – like you said, we, we were the same Same with uh, with Run the Power. It was seat your pants, never had a script. Uh, you know, we might have a question or two that we wanted to ask somebody if they came on, you know, scheme-related. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're all running basically the same plays, and we, we probably just teach them all just a, uh-huh. a little bit different. So, I mean, so, sometimes it fits, sometimes it doesn't. I don't know. I think sometimes the scheme stuff can get a little bit uh, can lead a little bit uh, I don't know monotonous and Uh maybe something that they don't want to run anyway, right? You know, some some triple option guy is not going to want to (laughs) listen to me talk about you know the I formation and some I formation guy is not going to want to listen to me talk about you know RPO game or something like that. So you always kind of limit yourself maybe when you do talk a little bit about scheme. But everybody's everybody loves coaching. Everybody loves talking ball, and that's all we're doing.
2: Yeah, I mean, you don't want to start a Twitter fight like back in COVID, where it was wing T versus air raid. Those were fun times. I was all part of it. I stirred the pot. Duo <laughs> versus inside zone. Oh, that—that's the best one, and that's funny. I learned duo more this off season. I talked to a coach and I tried to make a joke, and I said, "Hey, so what's the difference?" And he was like, sat up, and he's like, "I've been running duo for like ten years. What are you talking?" Like, I, I was joking. I apologize. Uh, same thing with wide zone and outside zone. When I first learned it a couple years ago, I think I said, I want to learn wide zone, hopped on his thing, and then during the, the talk I said outside zone, and he stopped, and he goes, well, which one are you trying to do? <laughs> which one? Because they're different. I'm like, oh, shit, my bad. <laughs> well, keep doing, with the, keep doing the one that you're doing. Yeah, I was like, whatever you're doing right now, go, 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 go. And then our defense coordinator sometimes does it on film, like, okay, they run outside zone. And I go, no, it's wide zone. What? And I'm like, just look how they're doing it. It's wide zone. So I became that person. I'm like, you see what they're doing? And then I, I sat back. I was like, hey, however you remember it, I don't care. However, you remember it does not bother me. Call it whatever you want. You could call that inside zone for all I care.
1: Yeah, it it used to be crazy. I know when we do the I do the run the power the install videos. Like I, I would have to to differentiate it, you know, like I, yeah. I ended up calling it A gap and B gap zone just oh. just so people would know and i'm like again i go guys i, I you know you call it whatever you want to call it. i'm just saying and this is i'm just giving you the aiming point of the back uh-huh. so he's either, he's either going a gap or b gap and then i did teach or did the install one it was probably more wide zone yeah but again just telling them hey here's the way that you know we've taught it, or whatever but it's just it's just funny sometimes that people you know get all get all caught up and hung up on on terminology it's yeah. like i said we're all we're all teaching the same stuff. We might just call it something different. You know, yeah. Hey, it's just like, you know, you grew up in the North and they call it pop and you yep. go down you know, someplace else and they're calling it soda. Oh, yeah. still the same yeah. stuff, you know, or, or they call it a Coke. Like, no, I want a Mountain Dew. Oh, you want a Coke. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it, it's all fascinating to me. It just leads to, to more conversation again. You know, nobody, yeah. nobody's got to be right. Just can we teach it to our kids? Period. Right.
2: Cause I, I did the same thing. I think I drew up our inside zone and put it on Twitter one time. And somebody goes, well, that's not inside zone. That's mid zone because you're aiming at the center. And I said, well, for me, it's inside zone because my running backs over cannot aim for some reason. Every time I tell them to aim for the leg of the guard, we're aim- we hit the C gap, and I don't want it to. So I have to tell them to aim yep. for the center. Mm-hmm. And it's still inside zone because I'm reading the end. And, it, of course – no offense. It was like, it was a high school coach. And then I talked to a college coach that does both. And he told me the same thing. He goes, Yeah, Steve, I mean, this is mid zone. What you're talking about is more mid zone because of the running back. But the way you're teaching the linemen is inside zone. So who cares? You're teaching inside zone. And I was like, Thank yes. you. A college coach is smart, smarter than me. And he told me that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, that is
1: one of the funniest things. Like, I used to mean, offensive line coaches are always, you know, the best. I mean, you, you love them, but it's just hilarious to see some of them argue about, you know, the different, the different zones, the different gaps, gives the different techniques. It's just amazing how, you know, we, we might be running what we think are the same plays, but just a little bit, you know, minor tweaks and the mm-hmm. way that maybe they were taught and the way they, yep. they learned it, you know? So it's always funny.
2: Oh, it, it's, it's hilarious. And that's why during COVID I got into those arguments because I was bored, and
1: yeah, again, we all were, dude. I, it that was a tough time. Not gonna lie. I mean, oh. one of the reasons why we did the podcast again, you know, because we we're just bored out of our minds. And then, you know, at the same time, I think everyone's just cooped up, want wanted to be out and about. Just crazy times.
2: Oh yeah, that's. I started this February of 2020. Then COVID hit, and I was like, "Oh, there's no sports to talk about. Shoot," and then. It got into that – right before that summer, and I remember, like, screw it. We're going to start ta- – I'm going to start talking to people. I just couldn't do it no more. And then um, Coach Banstra has this podcast, and that's how we met. And he goes, I'm too competitive. I can't let you guys do a better podcast than me. And his just shot up. He was doing, like, four a day, and I'm like, you are getting crazy. And that's why his shot yeah. up.
1: Yeah, we – we were pretty ambitious there for a while i can't remember i think we were originally putting out like two a week it's like dude i can't do the joe rogan style where they're putting one out almost every day seems oh i like. know i know you're just like so after a while we're like all right one a week's plenty and then like, it got to like, all right two a month yeah yeah <laughs> maybe it's like, all right maybe one a month we'll be good so yeah.
2: when when things went back to normal then i started to slow down and then I find the winter spot like this to do it. Then I'll find the spring spot to do it. And I try to just cram them out in the summer and then save them. And then during football, I'll just put out one a week. Just be like, here you go. And then yep. try it again.
1: Yeah. That was always the goal. Hey, set, put a set number on it. All right. Mm-hmm. Hey, we want to put out 30 this year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's do, we just make sure we do 30 of them at any time. Right. And and then if you needed a filler one, Harper and I are like, hey, just be you and me. Let's just talk ball. All right. Right. Baby. Right. So um, Yeah, there's there's so many good podcasts out there now, man. I mean it's 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 flooded, but there's there's just so many gems. And again, everyone people would ask me all the time, like, don't you think there's gonna be too many And things like like no, that, that's the the, the goal of, of podcasting should be there should be as many as possible. You mm-hmm. want as many people sharing thoughts and interacting and collaborating. Like that that should be the goal. I never looked right. at it as a competition. We never cared. You know, people would be like, you know, this podcast is out and this one, and this one. And like, yeah, I mean, hey, we, we want to put out a good product, but we were never like worried about, you know, anybody else. We, some of our, our best, you know, collaborations were with guys like Vass, uh-huh. you know, and, and and other dudes that were, were running podcasts. So, I mean, it was, those are our, our good buddies to this day. And we'd sit on calls and talk about stuff all the time. So, I mean, it, it was never about that. It, podcasting should be about collaborating. It should be about helping other people. It should be about, you know, the sharing of ideas. So ultimately who benefits the next generation, our players, right. you know, the the next generation of coaches. That's that's why Run the Power continues to live on. You know, we're not making episodes, but I'm still hearing from new coaches. There's a new crop of coaches every year that graduates from college that can't play football anymore. Mm-hmm. They're looking to, tr- to transition, that have something to give, that's ultimately what this whole thing is about, man. The whole pay it forward movement, dude. That's why we did it.
2: Right, right. No, that that sums it up right there. Um, <laughs> oh, coach, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, appreciate your time. Uh, hopefully, you had some fond memories of being on Zoom. Absolutely. Podcast.
0: <laughs>
1: I had to dust off the. I, I still got the head. Headset. my wife saw me grabbing the head she's like really you're doing one like yeah i had to dust it off <laughs> it's still and it still works the original one that i bought like harps like you have to get a headset and, then, and a mic or whatever i never did go with the, the blue yetis or whatever i never got one i literally still have the same logitech it's like a gamer's headset yeah and i'm still rocking
2: i know it sounds great i have this fancy thing but you, yours still sounds great
1: <laughs> so i said it was 20 like 25 bucks Still works fine. The only thing that's busted on it is the mute button. So it did have a mute button on the side. Uh-huh. That's the only thing that's broke on it in the light. Other than that, game on.
2: There you go. That's all you need. It is, man. Keep it simple. Just like to the power, right? Run the power. You got to keep it simple, right? Be simple, stupid. Or stupid, simple. I always mix it up. Well, Just depends.
1: Lockdown, lockdown, kick out. You got to have somebody cleaning it up. Kick everything out. Just keep it in a gap, baby.
2: Well, I was going to say, it's. I always tell kids, I don't know if it's the A-gap, it might be B-gap. I'm just saying.
1: Yeah. A-gap path could turn into B-gap. Per- yeah, dude, it's brilliant. Is there? There's nothing better, though, than seeing a perfectly blocked power. I'm sorry. As an offensive line guy.
2: Oh, well, I guess this could help you end it. Earlier when you said, oh, line coaches don't have to admit, they keep it to themselves about gap schemes, I was that person where – I loved zone, but part of me is like, oh, look at this counter! Look at this power! It looks beautiful. <laughs> let's run that. Ag- let's let's run that again, and or power read this year. Power read was beautiful, and so it's just or play action off power. Beautiful. Love yes. It. Pull back in the flat. Oh, we do that, or the pop pass, or straight up, or straight up, just run a hitch. Boom! Here you go. Just take yep. it. Uh, well, coach, Love I it. appreciate you being on here. Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely, dude. Been a blast.